welcome to the Small Business Show. We are created a podcast to have candid and in-depth conversations with entrepreneur and professional we find fascinating. Learn the tips and tricks for marketing, running, and growing a small business. The Small Business Show is the official podcast of Garuda Promo and Branding Solutions. Hello, everyone. You're listening to The Small Business Show. My name is Swire Ho from Garuda Promo, your host for the show. My guest today is Trisha Stratino from Belay Solutions. Trisha joined as Belay's first employees and virtual assistant from the last recession. Seems like a long time ago, right? And she moved up the rank and moved to director, VP, president, and COO. Now, 11 years later, she's the CEO of the company. I had the fortune to interact with a couple of Belay's assistants. And then they're really proud, you know, surprisingly, when I talked to the company, they said that it's like I'm getting into Harvard. The acceptance rate to work at Belay is actually as competitive as going to Harvard. I'm going to ask uh, Trisha more about that. Before that, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Wanted to, to find out more, you know, about your journey to become in Belay. With the world that we, we live in right now, can you also tell us how Belay is uh, able to help? people achieving, you know, best success in their business? Yeah. So, I mean, let's start with the latter first, right? So, you know, what does uh, Belay do and how do we help people achieve and, and, and be successful in, you know, even the current economic environment, which is always changing? Kind of what you just said, Belay started during the last recession. So our, our business was founded back in 2010 um, when the economy was in a downturn. And, and what makes it unique and what made it work at the time, which is kind of what we're seeing today, is that we offer fractional support. So there might be organizations who maybe during this time can't commit to a full-time employee and they need fractional support. So that's kind of where Belay has come in and really helped organizations in administrative support. So we can help with virtual assistance fractionally. That can be as low as... 30 hours a month, 45 hours a month, fractionally to so that you don't have to hire that full-time employee if you don't need them. Same thing with our bookkeeping services, accounting services. All of our services are offered fractionally. So if you're in a time when you're thinking through the best way to get bang out of your buck and you don't need that full-time employee, that's kind of where we come into play and offer the fractional support that a lot of organizations need. That's actually how I started with Belay um, back in 2010. I was a fractional part-time virtual assistant. Um, and then over the course of 12 years, really kind of just continued to add value to the organization, which allowed me to kind of step up. Like you said, I went from a part-time virtual assistant to a manager and a director and a VP and a all those things. And, and now I'm honored to be the CEO of an organization who affords that luxury to our team members that we have um, thousands of contractors across the, the U.S. that are able to kind of work fractionally and part time so they can be present with their um, families and also add great value to their careers. Okay, thanks for sharing, Trisha. So since you have a lot of experience in the virtual assistant, you know, remote working space, what are the things that you see difference when you first started? And now I, I would think if you would agree with me that a lot of people actually open up the idea to remote working because we kind of had to force into remote working, most of us, you know, for the past two years. But now going back, 
you know, to somewhat normal now, there are people willing to just stay in remote working. What are your thoughts on on doing that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we started, you know, 10, 12 years ago, the idea of working remote was questionable. We had a lot of individuals and our first few clients who really felt like they were taking a step into an innovation and they were early adopters and it wasn't very normalized to work remotely um, from being a virtual assistant or being a leader who's using a virtual assistant or using a remote bookkeeper. That was a, it was very new to a lot of people what it was that we were doing. Um, we just knew it worked because we had been doing it ourselves. Um, we practice what we preach. We don't have an office. We've never had an office. We, we continue to work 100% remote. Now, fast forward to today. Absolutely. I mean, 2020 and the pandemic has forced everybody to figure out how they can work remotely and how to do it well. Um, so it has accelerated our visibility um, and really validated our model that you can have team members that work remote. You can be a, a remote leader. You can lead an organization remotely without office space and actually be very successful doing it. And I think that that's, that's where the future's headed. Do you think there is a different uh, skill set? Obviously, that there is, you know, for to become, you know, I like the term, the re- a remote leader. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. You, you're not really there, you know, depending on who I'm talking to, right, uh, especially during the small business show, I've had all noticed that, you know, we miss the human interaction. I want to do a huddle, right, um, every Friday. We want to go to lunch. You can't really do that. But I also talk to a company, you know, like, like yourself at, at Belay, you know, when they start companies, all virtual, you know, I've talked to Kyle Hughes from uh, Draft.dev. They, they write blogs for a technical company. They have 500 employees. All of them are virtual. So two sides, right? How, what are some of the skills that are required to be a good remote leader? You, you totally nailed it on the head, right? So, I mean, the, the most important skill that we have seen is being an excellent communicator who's very intentional. So I think when you when you are working remotely, it's very easy to sit in your silo and sit in your home office and kind of from an absentee mindset, forget like there is a team of people working and need directive attention, communication. You're not getting it in the cafeteria. You're not getting it passing somebody in the hallway. The best skill set you can have to be a great remote leader is to be an excellent communicator. And that means communication clarity, communication frequency is probably more than what you'd be used to working in office. That is the, the number one skill set for really being a remote leader. The second thing that really comes into play is your level of trust and your ability to delegate. So you can't see people. You have to trust that they're getting the job done because you can't pop into cubicles and offices and see what people are doing. You have to hire people that you you really trust are doing a great job and figure out what they produce and the result that they get is more important than seeing them sitting at a desk. That brings me to my next question. And I really like that. You you put that in the show notes and it says, delegate or, or die. <laughs> Asking this question as a small business entrepreneur type of standpoint, you know, chances are, you know, listener, if they have special skills, right, you know, maybe they're good at baking, they're good at, you know, their, their law firm, their lawyer, they're the best person in their company, sometimes, a lot of times, to do that test. So it would be hard 
for some of the entrepreneur out there to delegate tasks because they're so attached to it. You mm-hmm. know, they or maybe they're really the most skillful person in the organization to do that. So how would you advise and why do we have to delegate or where to die? <laughs> yeah. So I love to say that for dramatic effect because truly it's more like the organizational death. So if you continue to hold on to all the tasks as the entrepreneur, the founder, and don't delegate, you are literally the lid on your organization. I mean, you, if everything is running through you and relying on your skill set and your ability, you will only grow for as much capacity as you have as a person. So in order for you to do more and grow more and more to get done in a given day, you know, more leads, more clients onboarding, more touch, more service, you need more bodies. And so in order to do that, you really have to figure out how to find the right people to surround yourself with and delegate to them the right things, you know, the administrative things so that you can do the most important thing for your organization, which is focused on strategy, vision, culture, growth, right? Like those are the things owners, leaders, executives should be focused on. And you bring on the right team of people so that your organization doesn't die because you are stunting its growth. So what would you say the first step will be for delegation? So what if I'm really controlling? (laughs) I'm the only one who could put in the salt in my ingredient, right? So are there things that other area that, you know, you would suggest that entrepreneur to think about delegating first? Yeah, I mean, I think there's some common things. Uh, What I would recommend for most people is first, you just have to know that you have got to let some things go. I know control. I'm a control freak. I had a really hard time letting things go. It took me years to let go of my email. (laughs) And so, you know, it, it, it is understandably difficult for people to do it. So, you know, the first thing I would say is go through kind of a delegation matrix exercise and truly write down the things that like somebody else should do this thing. I don't know who it is yet, but somebody else should do this thing because I honestly should be doing these other things. It's almost like if you create a list of things you should do in your role, I should be casting vision. I should be strategizing on growth. I should be on LinkedIn with you, right? If I think about the things I should be doing, then then that means there's a bunch of things I should not be doing. And so coming up with that list will really help you define your first steps of letting it go. And then truly, if you find the right person, then it's easy to let it go. So the control freak in us is like, you know, there's hesitation because you think somebody won't do it as good as you. But honestly, let's be real. There are people out there who will do things better than us or minimally as good as us if we're being candid with ourselves. Yeah, I I really love that. That's for sure. Especially, I would say, you know, I wanted to put it this way to say that there are got to be things that you are used to what hate to do, right? So you want to list them in your list, then these are the things that you want to go first. You know, you, mm-hmm. you know, for example, I cannot do my own accounting, right? But we need right. to, to do that, you know, for, you know, obviously legal reasons. And then maybe I'm not good at building websites and I would never build my own website. So I think these are the most mm-hmm. obvious ones that maybe, you know, like Trisha said, you know, to think about that. But I think easier will even to be what are things that you're not good at that you 
kind of required to do. You know, if you don't keep your books, if you don't have a, you know, functional, good looking website, you are losing out out there. So I think, you know, those are, you know, simple way to look at. And then how do we go out and find the right assistant? So I think, you know, we, I think we all know that we need help out there. But then I think it's, you know, even it's in person or remotely, you know, finding the right person uh, seems to be a challenge out there. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. And and first, I agree with what you're saying is, you know, of course, get rid of the things you just you don't know how to do. You're not good at it. You don't want to do it. You don't like it. Those things are easy, easy, easy to get rid of. And then there's the things you like. There are things you like that you should get rid of also. But anyway, so then, you know, let's say you get to the place where you recognize I have to bring somebody on to help me, whatever that may look like. Maybe it is, to your point, a bookkeeper because you need somebody to keep your books and it's not you and and you're not great with that. First, I would look at, is there somebody out there doing that thing well that I could leverage as a resource? So um, there's organizations out there, staffing organizations like Belay or others like us that um, they are experts in finding people that do that thing. If you're looking for somebody to help with the books or virtual assistant. There's organizations like Belay that will do all the finding for you so you don't have to worry about it. Now, if that's not what you're interested in and you want to source this yourself and you want to bring this person onto your organization yourself, I mean, there's so many different avenues that we would recommend. Um, There's things like Indeed and FlexJobs and all these different platforms that offer a great resource that so many people's eyes are on. Um, But it's all going to start with an awesome, clear job description. I mean, Mm. truly, you you can't find the right person if you're not clear exactly what they need to do. So sitting down and deciding what it is you need this person to do is most important. And then secondarily, finding the source of candidates, whether that's going to be partnering with an organization, putting something on a a sourcing platform or whatever that may be. Those would be the first couple steps I would go with. And then lastly, I would say, whatever that looks like, if you're sourcing on your own, a very thorough interview process and also get a second opinion. So I would always recommend if you were hiring somebody for you, you should have a peer, a partner, a friend, do a second interview so that you can get a second opinion. Sometimes we don't see everything that others may see. So two opinions is always better than one. Yeah, I, I like that. You know, you're fairly objective sometimes. You know, maybe right. you want to want you to replace you, but maybe it's not. You might be able really good at what you're doing or you need maybe two people or three people just to substitute you. But if you're able to find that, you know, think about how much time you open up, you know, what else can you do to actually grow? And maybe there's something that you really do need to hang on to. So now you're freeing up your, your own time, you know, to do what you're really, really good at. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, imagine I'm mean, all of us out there. If, if, if we could take 10 hours a week of our work off of our plate, whatever that is, and we could take 10 hours a week to focus on something important to the business, imagine the impact we would have just 10 hours. I mean, it sounds like it's so small, but 10 hours out of a 40-hour work week, you're talking 25% of your time being focused in the right direction and taking that, that opportunity and just putting 10 hours of something on somebody else could have such great positive impact on any business. Yeah, I want to use Carl as an example again. I, I remember he said on the show that the first time he knows that he has help, that he can actually go on a vacation, 
he was really scared. It was like uh, over weekend type of vacation. So nothing happened. You know, company still here two days. And he started to take longer and longer vacation. Like his, his goal, he, he told me that he wants to go on a four months vacations. And first to leave all the delegation to the team, really to trust them you know, that they are going to be here. And, you know, so I think that might be a good goal for all of us. You know, can you really walk away and knowing that the company or your organization can run the way that it should? You know, so I think if you're able to do that, then you're doing something right. Yeah, that is that is the true measure that you've done the right thing, right? Is that you can you and even can start smaller than that. Like, can you go a day without checking your email? Like, can you just go to a doctor's appointment and get a haircut? And like, can you pick a day during the week and just one day be out of office and all goes seemingly well? You don't check your email on your phone one time. Nobody calling or texting you like you just step out for the day and then you incrementally grow upon that. And to your point, you know, get to the place where you can take a vacation and pull, fully disconnect and um, and be present on your trip. I love that. And as a salesperson, I think I, I, I like to use this example too, because I would call my client, you know, to kind of talk to them and hopefully they will buy from us. But if I let them know that I'm going on a vacation and I actually happened to me, you know, last March, I had to go on, you know, for a, a East Coast trip. So I'm not available. A lot of them actually wanted order before I go because you know, they, yeah. they don't want to miss out. You know, so why are we gone for two weeks and, you know, why don't we just put it? So kind of different effect. I, I didn't plan for that, yeah. but I think that was, you know, funny and yeah. I wanted to share in our yeah. conversation. Yeah, yeah. And I think that people feel um, great and empowered when you give them that gift. So like my uh, assistant or my team or the, the people that work directly with me are grateful that I feel that I can take a vacation and I'm not worried. They feel honored. Wow. She trusts me. She, know I, she knows I got it. She knows I got the job. I must be doing something right because she can completely disconnect. It's when we peek back in, right? If I'm on PTO and I keep checking my email, my assistant will say to me, what are you doing? Do you know I have this? Do you trust that I have this? And the truth is we show we trust them or we show we don't trust them by how well we take time off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good example. So I I would say, you know, even in a, you know, situation like this, when you're gone, you might be only running 60% or whatever percent that it is while you're here. But if you do it more, your team, if you have the right delegation and process in place, are going to be better. What if when you're gone, your team is up 200% of their productivity? Don't you want you want to be away more than you actually in the office? That's right. That's right. I mean, I um, my goal is for every area of the business to work completely well and function without me having any part in it whatsoever. Like that's my goal. I've done my job. If my leaders and my teams can function completely without me, that I'm not needed in the business. I just add to the business. I think this is also a, uh, you know, questions that I have for you too. So some of us are going back to the office. Some of us remain and wanted to stay remote working. So what advice would you say to a leader who has a team that work in the office, but then they have also remote team? And sometimes, you know, depending on the industry that you're in, they might not be in the country also. So how do you manage a team that is really diverse and scattered everywhere, really? 
Yeah. And so I think I think the future and, and actually current state is very much this hybrid workforce, if you will. It's mixed where you have some staff that are on site and then you have an augmented some staff that are remote. And so we're seeing a lot of this mixed opportunity where some people are some organizations are going in office fractionally. Okay, two days a week you're going to come in, but the other three will let you work from home. And so you wind up with this mix of employees or this mix of team that are working half and half. And I think that that's what we will see a lot of going forward is that organizations may mandate that certain teams or departments come into the office, others are remaining remote. So we will wind up in this place where we have both intertwined into our workspace. I think the best thing we can do to create great integration is to continue the things that we've learned about working remote. And so we will sometimes find ourselves in a situation where some of us are together on site, and then we have part of our team who are not on site and they're remote. And so we will set up meeting spaces and we will still leverage technology and webcams like Zoom. We will continue to Zoom people in even when we're meeting in person, or we will live stream things to our team when we're in person for the team members that can't be there. So I think you have to come up with a really good communication strategy for your organization that may be very unique to your organization. That is, how do we appropriately blend who is in office and who is out of office together? And I think a lot of it will be a lot of the remote things we've learned over the last couple of years. It will be using webcams and it will be using different communication tools. um, And that'll be what will keep things cohesive. And I think that would be... What I would say is to to remain cohesive as an organization, you have to have a pretty good communication and meeting strategy in place for a hybrid organization. Well, I think for the past two years, especially, you know, I really like how we're going technology wise with communication. You know, gone are the day that I need to travel all day to meet clients. Some of them don't even want it <laughs> to meet in person. But now I could get to jump on to a call with you know, my end user, the decision maker, maybe throwing a couple of board members. Now we could jump into one quick meeting and yeah. I have all the files that I have on my computer that I could show them. Because, you know, when you go to meet a, a client in person, sometimes you forgot to bring this or, you know, the dog ate, ate your flash drive, for example. Yes. So I, I, I do like, and sometimes you don't need to travel one day just to go into a half an hour meeting. So I think you know, I, I do love you know the technology, how we are embracing, you know, the webcam, you know, we, we all are much better now doing online communication than what we are when we first started, you know, two years ago. Oh, I agree. And I love it. I mean, we've been doing it for 12 years and we love um, how technology has met us where we are. I mean, who if we would have known, we all would have bought stock in Zoom in 2019. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, being able to do things like this um, has really just allowed for so much opportunity for cohesion and, and new new way to work in the future. So I do want to ask you kind of a big question, and obviously you're the expert in the space. I I do want to learn more from you, you know, in remote working. What are we expecting to see in 2023? Yeah, I think it's a lot of the same. I think we're going to see, we're seeing more and more organizations start to pull employees back on site. We're seeing Mm -hmm. more and more organizations ask their team members to come in a day or two, kind of end up in this hybrid situation. We kind of were just speaking to. 
Um, we're also seeing a great amount of organizations agree to remain <laughs> remote. I think what's happening is the employee, we're seeing a large percent of employees, I don't want to say all employees, we're seeing a large percent of employees who enjoy the flexibility of being able to work remotely. So I think organizations are really being put in this position where having a remote option will become a necessity because they will, there'll be turnover. People will leave to find a job that allows them the flexibility to work remote. So we are really going to have to be super mindful of creating opportunities for great team members to join our teams by offering a very remote option. I think it will force a lot of organizations. We're seeing a lot of pushback from the organizations that are really mandating everyone come back in five days a week. They're having a hard time really getting buy-in there. So I think we really are going to see organizations be forced to be more flexible. Yeah, I think one thing that I also noticed that if you're able to be more flexible, right, using that word for remote working, you can actually tap into a workforce that are maybe there's a parent who needs to be at home to take care of the kids yeah. or loved ones or whatever side hustle that consume their yeah. regular nine to five hours. But if you give them the opportunity for remote working whenever they can for a specific project, you can actually tap into a, a pool of skillful employees that are not available in the job market. So I think this is another great plus if you could, you know, like Trisha said, define what the project is and know where to find those talents. So there are a lot more people that are not in the workforce, but won't work uh, if the schedule works for them. Oh, yeah. And, and that was literally... How our founding story back in 2010. Oh, yeah. Actually, our, our first few clients back in 2010 um, lived in rural, smaller towns in America, and they were having a hard time finding local talent. And so we said, well, gosh, do they have to live in your community? Imagine the talent pool you could tap into if they could work anywhere. Like it would just open the floodgates of the skill set you could get in front of and the talent you can get in front of. And that was really kind of a founding mentality to our organization is we knew that people needed um, a skill set and they needed a person um, and they couldn't find it locally. And that was a great opportunity for the future. And so that what you just said is literally to us, you know, the, the beauty of all of this is that you're not hindered by geography anymore. Yeah, I think that that makes sense, right? You know, there are, you know, really a lot of people and I know a lot of people actually, they are, they're MBAs, they have all this degree, but now they decided to take off their kids. But then if you give them the right resource, there are, you know, they used to pay them a 200 or $300,000 a year, but now they're willing to work with you, even work less, you know, if you give them flexibility that they're looking for. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Tricia, I know, you know, we're trying to get into really personalized question. And I'm sure that listener listening to this, you know, my thought of, you know, now might be a time to, you know, think, think through that. If they want to reach out, what would be the best way to reach out to you? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'd love to find you guys on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn and also Belay on LinkedIn. Um, check out our website, belaysolutions.com. You can go to the link kind of right here as well, belaysolutions.com forward slash delegate to find some resources. Um, and that would be the best way to connect with us. Either our website, LinkedIn, social channels, we're there. Thank you, Trisha, for coming on to the show today. I really like, you know, how we're able to be more flexible now, you know, in person, hybrid or remote working. I think, you know, the opportunity is, 
he's looking great in 2023. I agree. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends or colleagues who might benefit from the conversation. Any questions or feedback, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect with you. Our show is live streamed both on YouTube and LinkedIn every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'll see you next time.